Okay, we're going to be in Luke chapter 13. And today in chapter 13, as we're going to go through the whole chapter, um, I have a special message for this particular chapter, which is titled, Are You Ready to Hear This? And, and this is, again, a chapter that's going to be one of those chapters that seems to be a very serious, hard-hitting chapter from our Lord Jesus. Some, some vital warnings that are in need. And I say that, are you ready to hear this? Because at times when we start to feel like something's wrong in our body, we know something's wrong. Something just doesn't feel right anymore. And we, we go to the doctor... And we have the tests ran. They, they run our blood tests. They do the x-rays and the, uh, and the CAT scans, the MRIs. They do, to do a thorough check of everything that is in need. But yet, we went in to find out what was wrong with us. But we don't always want to hear what the problem is. You know, the doctor will come in. And we'll say, I've got some bad news. Are you ready to hear this? But then at times, the doctor is there for another reason. And you see, the doctor is there to help with the problem. To help you cure the problem or rid of the problem. And my wife battled a bout of cancer some years back. And praise God by the appointment of a veteran oncologist that she was able to see. He, he didn't have much of a personality. He didn't have much of, uh, uh, of a positive demeanor. But he came in and he says, this is what you have. I am here to help cure you. And this is what we're going to do. And so... He did just that. He, he, was a, he was a doctor who was a 30-year veteran in his, in his particular specialist. And he continued to study and he continued to research the, the issues of what it is that he was specializing in. And unfortunately, cancer seems to be running rapid amongst society today. Diseases and problems seem to be running rapid within people today. And yet, we go to the doctor, and some of us will blatantly avoid the doctor. <laughs> you know, they, I've heard something about us guys, that uh, the reason why that, uh, that women live longer than we do is because us guys are a lot more stubborn than women are when it comes to pains in our body. We could be suffering from a <laughs> from a stage three heart attack and and sitting in the tr in their chair barely able to breathe saying I'm perfectly fine I just need to I just need to relax a little bit and and yet uh, next thing you know we're in complete cardiac arrest and so the Lord tells us what we need to hear but He tells us in a way that we need to hear or that we would want to hear it. See, the Lord doesn't always tell us what we want to hear. He always tells us what we need to hear, but He always tells us in a way that we would want to hear it. He's like that, he's like that doctor who tells you what needs to be done. But He says, that's what I'm here for. And we're going to rid of this if you will allow me to work on you. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 13. And I pray that you are ready to hear this, because again... 
This is important. This isn't something that should be ignored. This isn't something that should be looked looked past. Nothing in the Bible should be looked past. But what we're looking here is a vital importance to our eternity. And so I want us to go ahead and we're going to observe in chapter 13, I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 9, which says, Now there were present at the... At that season, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse? Uh, were sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then he says, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. See, the Lord, he jumps into some serious insight on assuming and and that of assuming why someone dies or how or why they're going through a fiery trial. You know, some are thrown into a fire for refining versus some thrown into a fire for punishment. And that is by uh, the only judge who knows and sees all who is just to do what he sees fit, and that's God himself. It's something to have read how chosen people of God died when it was their time. Some died in harsher ways than others. And we can look at the two prophets, Elijah and his predecessor, Elisha. Okay, Elijah, he didn't die a physical death. He was brought up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And then we have Elisha, his predecessor, who prayed uh, to receive a double portion of Elijah's blessing. And yet he died naturally, and he was buried in a cave near Edom, which is uh, located in Jordan. So the Lord once again was making known that there is one thing that everyone has in common. And that death will come to all men in different times and and ways, but it's a guarantee to everyone on earth. But see, he does promise eternal life to those who repent and receive him. Uh, You can die in a burning building, or you could die in your sleep at 90 years old with, with a quiet lived life and not go to heaven without Christ as your Lord and Savior. As, as I'm just reminding of what he boldly said. See, in verses 6 through 9, he continued in his parable of producing fruit. Uh, you okay, because pr- uh, fruit trees in the Old Testament was normally a sign of godly living. And Jesus said in John chapter uh, 15, verse 1 and 2, which I'm going to read to you, and it says uh, that I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And so Jesus also 
cursed a fig tree by touching it. And, and it died on the spot because for some time it did not produce. And this was, and this is unfortunately was a representation to what Israel was like at the time. They didn't like what they seen. But the thing with fig trees is it can grow figs throughout, throughout the year. And, uh, and it's much more uh, abundant in certain seasons. So for that one to produce nothing, well, that has been nothing more than an object in people's way. That is the only thing that that tree has been good for. You know, we like a tree, we, we must be rooted and, and grounded and watered, and we, and we must be living in the light in order to not just survive but to thrive and produce. Uh, Jesus is speaking as an intercessor to preserve that tree. Gardeners will uh, will use patient care and observation of that tree. You know, you, you could look at look at olive trees. Olive trees take about fifteen years until it starts to produce from the time it's been planted. But there's also olive trees that are still around that have been around for more than two thousand years. See, I've known the Lord for about thirty three years. That's how long I've been a Christian for. And we're in uh, we're in uh, the year of 2018, and it took some years on me until I was being used in the capacity that I am now. But praise God for His timing, because I say, let Him mold you and use you in whatever gifts that He gave you. Because it is scary to see from the words of Christ that not bearing fruit uh, that not bearing fruit will not be tolerated, or it will only be tolerated for a time. We give a lot to our jobs, as we should. Uh, some people give a lot to a hobby or a sport. But again, all things done for the Lord are never forgotten. Why? Why not serve Him? Why not serve Him who, who never forgets and, and whose gifts never fade the gifts that He's given to us? Let's continue to see what He says here in verses 10 to 19. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over and could not uh, in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed, loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away, uh, away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it. For eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And then he said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. 
So we see the writings of Luke. Okay, Luke being the medical physician of the disciples, he makes known the healing power that no doctor could heal as, as she was in this condition for 18 years. Okay, a medical doctor can do nothing that Satan has plagued with. Only, only the divine power of Christ. And even Dr. Luke himself proclaims it in the gospel. Again, a synagogue leader complained, this is once again has happened, a synagogue leader complained about a miracle on the Sabbath, which was considered like a physician working on a patient. Well, if we can be honest, and look at it for what it was, I didn't see an ounce of labor involved. He simply touched her and told her she was good. In fact, the rabbis who taught would do more work opening up the scroll that they read from than what Jesus did by simply touching her and said, be well. If we wanted to really look at, at it to be technical, it'd take a lot more work for them to open up that scroll, which technically on a Sabbath, that probably would be considered work according to their Jewish Talmud. But, many times, so far in Luke's Gospel, Jesus called someone a hypocrite, which was directed towards the religious leaders. They, they hid behind their own laws to, to avoid an act of love and concern. You know, calling, Jesus calling her a daughter of Abraham reminded them that she was of just as much worth by relation as they were. This was another parable of a mustard seed. Okay, In the other Gospels, he stated if someone's faith is the size of a mustard seed, they could tell this mountain to move from here to there. And it will. Now, the kingdom of God is used in the parable. The, the Lord can use so much to show us truth, as he called them out on, on leading their donkey to water, which was a task, I'm sure. And I bet a couple of them were thinking that they were seen doing just that the last Sunday or Sunday before. How much more a daughter of God should be helped over that of a donkey is what the Lord was saying. And again, I say that because I'm willing to bet that that's exactly what they did on the Sabbath, and yet they're calling him out for doing such a thing. The, the kingdom like a mustard seed. As we, the mustard seed is the smallest seed in the world. But once a mustard seed's planted in good soil, it could grow into a good-sized tree that houses and protects the birds of the air. And at this time, Christ was building the kingdom. And it started with 12 ordinary men. And then came some devout women who came into the group. And then after his death on Pentecost, when he ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit appeared. And 3,000 Jews were baptized followers of Christ. 2,000 years later, the kingdom continues as he will give a parable. Okay, now this was a mystery to them. They had no idea that he was talk what he was talking about. But we today can say that it was true. We're part of the seed that grew. And Lord willing, our children and our grandkids, our grandkids will continue in the growth. But the word of God must be continual in our lives and those around us. But the Lord continues, as, as we look at verse 20, I continue to love more and more of, of the Lord's teaching and parables. In verse 20 to 30, he says, and again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. 
and he went through the cities and villages teaching and, and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. And then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and yourselves thrust out, they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first. And there are first who will be last. As the kingdom of God grows, like leaven, leaven within bread, unfortunately, as does the depths of hell. Okay, why? Because every single day, countless people are going to one of two eternities. I don't know how many people in the world die every day. But there's only two eternities they could go to. And what's scary to think is, is that what is the number of the eternity that's going down versus up? This has become a very touchy subject over the years. Uh, many try to avoid this outlook that people, uh, that people, and even good people, will not be in heaven. And strangely enough, people you never would have expected to be there will be in God's glory. Why? Simply because uh, that unexpected person believed and received Christ as their Lord and Savior in truth and in faith and in love. Uh, the Lord was 100% right about the timing of the door being closed. Uh, for some, and, and some barely making it in on the straight and narrow path. See, we're getting there soon. But while Jesus was on the cross, uh, one of the thieves next to him who was uh, taunting him, he woke up and said, why are we doing this? See, we deserve to be here, not him. And then the thief said, he said, Father, Lord, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you that today you will be with me in paradise. And the key word from the Lord was assuredly. Okay, the key word was assuredly. I assure you with the promise of your belief, you're coming home. And, and in this passage of the Lord saying that some will bang on the door, begging to get in, was a chilling reminder of something that I just, uh, I just heard not long ago. Uh, but this was an eyewitness account from one of the followers of, uh, of a man called Anton LaVey, who was the founder of the Church of Satan. And I saw this video that one of his followers uh, spoke in an interview. As she was uh, one of the few who was standing next to him as he was dying on his deathbed. But as he was dying on his deathbed, she flat out said that he started to scream uncontrollably and started to plead with God. And here we have this, this, this founder of the, of the church of Satan pleading with God. Before he died, 
I've heard stories of people that claim to have uh, have felt uh, an extreme burning on their feet or certain parts of their body before they were passing away, and they would scream in agony. I've heard other stories of people getting glimpses of light. I myself have watched at least three to four people pass away in front of me. I have watched three to four people. I have seen them off into eternity as I sat next to their body. So seeing somebody go uh, will definitely change your your aspect on life. I can tell you that from experience. But to hear of this, of this satanic <laughs> founder of this, uh, you know, the founder of the of the black Bible, even as they like to call it, I hate to even use the term Bible and whatever it is that he created, was pleading with God because he didn't know what he was uh, what he was doing until the last minute. Many will know of God or something about God, but few will acknowledge their sins and ask for His forgiveness. You know, listening to his words and admiring his miracles are great, but it goes beyond that. We must turn from sin and trust God to save us. It doesn't matter what your wealth, popularity amongst people, what you have uh, done in philanthropy or community services, but what your commitment to Christ was is what's going to count to God. Uh, Do our values match what the Bible tells us to value? Well, if not, then give it a try and see how the Lord will bless you and how you can bless Him. Because He is the only way to heaven and He is the author and finisher of our lives. We don't want to grieve Him because He deserves the best. Now, as we continue on verses 31, it says, On that very day some Pharisees came, saying to Him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day. I I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to to her, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want to remind us something that when Jesus called Herod a fox... Uh, it wasn't a compliment on his good looks, <laughs> uh, but it was more of an insult uh, of his character. Why? Because I mean, foxes are pretty. They're pretty and all, but they're they're nothing more than a menace. Yeah, even the Jews. The Jews did not look at foxes as anything good whatsoever. Uh, they were sly. They were menacing. They were destructive. Uh, once they came out of their little hole, um, you know, they caused nothing but trouble. So we see here that the. Christ didn't fear Herod. He, had, he feared no one. He had no reason to fear anybody. But he showed deep concern and passion, as if not more than a loving mother would. As he repeated, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. And when he, and when he said that, it was serious, by the way of saying that. 
they were trying to keep him from Jerusalem, it looks like, because Jesus was focusing on Jerusalem. Why? Well, because it was not just Israel's largest city, but, but it was the spiritual capital of the nation. And to this day, Jews around the world, and Christians and so on, travel to visit this great city. And now, as the Lord told the Pharisees, his work will continue until the appointed time. He will not be there when it becomes desolate, which it didn't in 70 AD, when the Romans demolished the temple and the city. Because we have seen him say that he will return. And there was two accounts that he would refer to. Three days after his death, which he did just that, and then his other return, in which we're still waiting for to this day. And in the end of this chapter, it said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And blessed are those who do so always. If, if I may ask a question to all who hear, you know, if I could ask a question to churches, to households, individuals, that are, are we preparing ourselves to meet the Lord, whether it be in his return or whether our time is up? Or are we just going through the daily motions? Uh, do we go to church on Sunday and leave exactly the same? Because we heard a common message. We had common worship, and then we had common repetitive prayer. And maybe we had some common fellowship with those around us. So as time continues to pass by us, may we raise the bar on what has been common in our walk and our everyday lives. And common in our relationship with God. Because only he can take something common and make it great. It's what he does with us. It's what he does with our lives. You know, we're at times, we're like, we're like brittle clay. But we're in the gentle hands, the gentle and skilled hands of the Lord who is the potter who molds us. And again, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You have a chance to receive the Lord now. And after that, you can come in the name of the Lord, and blessed are you when you do that. I, I, I always try to make myself clear when I teach the Word of God, that I'm, I'm catering to everybody. As well as any pastor, evangelist, Bible teacher should do. I, I cater to everybody. I cater to the saints to help equip us to those who have been walking with him. And I'm catering to those who are listening for the first time who have never heard the message of God or, or the message of salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. With the hopes that you will do make the greatest decision that you will ever make in receiving him for your eternal security in heaven. And, and again, to equip the saints for those who have received and are looking to grow. See, it don't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how long we have been uh, walking with the Lord and, and reading the Bible. We are continually needing to do so. The greatest Bible teachers are the continual students of the Word. And those who have been teaching the Bible for 40, 50 years, and some that have lived long enough to go to 60 years, will tell you that they are continual students of the Word of God. We must be, because again, we are like the tree that Jesus spoke of.
we might be we might have some great tap roots that are deep down in some good soil, but there still needs to be continual water, and we must be living in light in order to survive just like a tree would. We don't want to be cut off. We don't want to be cut down. We want to be we want to be fruitful. We want to be used of God. Because if we look at our Lord and Savior, he was always at our service when he was alive, and he is at our service to this very day from heaven. Never stopping, never ceasing to answer prayer, to help our needs, to provide our needs, and to speak to us through his Holy Spirit. I want to invite you now to make a, to make a decision that is vital to your eternity. I want to invite you now to say that I want to be of Christ Jesus. Maybe you've had a maybe you've had no father growing up, no parents. Maybe you've had good parents. And they were always there from day 1. But there's something that the two compare the two comparisons will that that are in common is that both sides, whether you've had a father or whether you have not had a father, need the Father of Christ Jesus. Because the only thing that we've had on earth, whether we've had no father on earth or we've had a father on earth, that's it. We've had just that. We've had a father on earth. And, and, and praise God for those that had a father on earth. And, and, and may God bless those and be with those who did not. Because now you will have a father who is with you always who will not leave or forsake you. And you will have a father that died for you and me that you will get to meet and spend eternity with because he loves you and died for you. If you want to receive him, if you want to meet him, and if you want to continue to grow with him, which is what, what this calling and a voice in the distance is for. Then say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Father. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you to receive me now, Lord. I confess to you, Lord, that I have sinned. And I want you to cleanse me of all of my sins. And Lord, may you receive me now as one of your children as I have received you as my Lord, Savior, and my Father. Lord, I just want to say thank you. I want to say I love you. And I receive you now. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that you said that prayer. I'd love to hear from you. But more than anything, I would rather see you in eternity. Which, is, which again, is why we're doing what we're doing, which is why we're here. And again, I just want to make sure that, that we are walking together in His truth. Because it's Him who, who, we, work, who we work for and who we live for. So I want to, again, I want to invite you. To get to know him. I want to invite you to to get to see him. And I want you to know him more than ever. So I invite you again to follow along. Because going through the Bible is, is not just an adventure. 
it's a source to our life. And He loves you. He wants you. And wants you to continue in strength because He's got a plan for you. So once again, if I don't get to hear from you here, I want to be able to say that I got to see you in heaven. God bless you.